the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. This is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And as I've shared with you in the past, I have three law degrees, so I must be three times crazy. In addition to my JD, I hold a master's in taxation law and a master's in the laws of intellectual property. Now, because of my education, my training, my experiences, my life's observation, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation, and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. I also practice the related fields in my overall consumer and small business financial practice, including the areas of debt wealth management, estates and trust, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law as my focal point as they relate to personal and familial and community and small business those aspects of finance. I spent the greater part of the last nearly 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people and communities of color, including indigenous communities. And because I will always be a military brat, and I helped create another one with my former spouse who was in the military, I have firsthand knowledge about how hard it can be sometimes financially for our citizens, soldiers, sailors, airmen and women and Marines and their families in our sometimes less than patriotic capital-based economic system. This is especially the case after these individuals and their families separate from the service. As such, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. And as you know, I am, I was a daddy's girl and, and he was a mama's boy. And I got to know and spend time with and be friends with not only my dad's mama, but also my mother's mama. And what I learned from these women were things about economics and home economics and, you know, having a budget and a plan. And that's what got them through what I consider the four great financial um, uh, privation areas are in our last uh, century, and that included the Great Depression, World War II, and unfortunately, the systemic uh, racism and misogyny that continues through into our society today. And because of my great love and affection for these women, who um, I spent some time with down in the Jim Crow South, 
um, you know, out of my great love and respect for them, whenever I have an opportunity and it makes sense, uh, I look out for an opportunity to vindicate the rights of seniors and the disabled folks uh, who are targeted uh, by unscrupulous charlatans to separate them from their money and their other assets. So I um, I relish an opportunity when I am able to legally and ethically help them defend their rights. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more probably than not these days, the lack thereof, but maybe not. But at any rate, your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect or reclaim or rehabilitate your or your family's or your business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational form. However, as always, I must once again ask you to please note that this show doesn't provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your more tailored and specific search based on your specific set of facts and circumstances. And hopefully, you know, open up your mind and provide you with at least an outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I believe you need if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your finances or your assets, but especially your debt. So today in a advance of the upcoming midterm elections next Tuesday, November the 8th, I will take this final opportunity to share with you once again my heartfelt belief that we the people in our quest to form a more perfect union, must, at a minimum, number one, vote in each and every election, and two, vote in our own fact-based, best economic and political interests, while also consistently engaging in the economic and political uh, discussions within our own spheres of influence and interest throughout the years, each and every year, even when there's no pending election, lest through our inaction, we allow, no, we cause the arc of the moral universe to spring back towards injustice. As we've been discussing for the last few weeks, some of you out there in Radio Land want to believe that the major party, one of the major parties in our current two-party system here in the U.S., has taken on the role of doing and saying all it can do to scare the holy crap out of the rest of us by explaining in the way that they do that the woke Democrats are solely responsible not only for the increased inflation that's dampening our economic growth, but also for the increase in violent crime. Now, that party, and it's not the whole party, it's just some members of the party, but they seem to be in leadership, they're espousing unfounded rhetoric. The most recent incarnation of the leadership in the Republican Party, who are zealously propagating this fear with no articulated or articulable plan for actually dealing with the underlying causes of either the rising global inflation and its deteriorating effect on our economy or the rise in violent crime in some of our major urban areas. Now, I'm not going to spend 
the amount of time that's due in this episode talking about the impact of violent crime, not because the subject matter doesn't deserve the attention, because it surely does, especially in light of the fact that some, but not all of us who live and work in or support our black and brown communities know that as a result of the intentional economic privation foisted upon us by our own government at all levels over the years, along with members of the financial services industry, some, but not all of the members of our community engage in criminal activities that cause the diminution of the quality of life for the rest of us, either directly or indirectly. A diminution that simply cannot be countenanced and must be rooted out, period, in the line, in the paragraph. However, I, like many of you, believe that allowing an unfettered, no-holes-barred approach to crime prevention and criminal apprehension is not in the best interest of any community, including ours, because unlike predominantly white communities where members are treated as individuals with the presumption of innocence, it appears, or seems to me, and it seems like to many, all members of our black and brown communities are looked upon with jaundiced eyes. Said another way, Inasmuch as we purportedly all look alike and all act alike, the best way to treat us in the criminal context, if we want to prevent crime, is, you know, the philosophy of uh, New York City's former mayor, Rudy Giuliani. He espoused this, you know, just had everybody who looked suspicious in the black and brown community. They had to be stopped and frisked. That was ultimately decided to not be constitutional. Now, even though this might... Uh, we in the in the black and brown community don't like this idea that we're all we're all criminals because maybe we all look alike to somebody who doesn't really know us, and we're just afraid that you know people who are overzealously try to deal with crime in this way, it has sometimes ended up with members of our community uh, being pulled over. And when they decide to run away out of fear, they end up dead. And that doesn't happen in predominantly white communities. Like I said, there's a presumption of innocent and you're an individual. Sometimes we're treated as a collective group when the vast majority of us want crime prevented just as much as anyone else. And I got to tell you, as a black woman, like most of my peers, I know all too well about the negative impact of crime in a community. And what I do and what my neighbors do is we work with our elected officials and members of the police force who want to implement community policing to protect and serve us in ways that both curtail crime without allowing open season on all of us, especially black men. Because 99% of us who live and work and support the black and brown communities, we will never engage in any kind of criminal activity. But for now, I will say this about crime in our upcoming election. Although many but not all Republicans have pushed this urban legend that we woke Democrats are fostering crime because we love criminals and support their rights above those of their of the non-criminal majority population, in response, I simply state the obvious. One of the very best ways policymakers can stop violent crime is to remove one of the most destructive tools currently available to criminals, 
the major tool that makes their criminal acts so violent. Guns. I say we need to prevent the mostly young, mostly emotionally immature men of all ages from having access to guns, especially those weapons of mass carnage designed to impact enhanced momentum bullets onto human flesh that tears it apart upon contact. These same weapons of mass destruction, they have rapid fire mechanisms and they have large magazines that uh, reduce the amount of time that's needed to reload. So maybe reauthorizing the assault weapon then would be a good place to start. But then again, our new age Republicans, some not all, continue to vote against this legislation. So I ask you, which party has a realistic plan to curtail violence in America and which uh, uh, party is just moving its collective mouth? Or in the words of that great poet, James Brown, they're talking loud and saying nothing. So when we come back, we'll pivot to why you must vote to protect your economic interests. But first, we'll take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As I continue to lead our discussion on the basis of why it is that I have this heartfelt belief that we, the people, must at a minimum vote in our own best economic interest each and every election and also engage in the political process throughout the year, even if there's no pending election, lest through our inaction, we not only allow, but more importantly, accelerate the process of having the arc of the moral justice spring back towards injustice. Now, before the break, I shared with you the basis of my belief that we voters in this upcoming election can't allow ourselves to either stay at home on Election Day or go to the polls and vote for folks who do not have our best economic and political interests in mind, but who may just be able to obtain the votes they need by continuing to scare the holy crap out of us. Uh, by exclaiming, but not explaining, that why it is they feel woke Democrats are solely responsible, not only for the increase in inflation that is dampening our economic growth, but also the increase in violent crime. As I've already shared with you my views of the fallacy of fear-mongering around crime prevention and criminal apprehension, I will use the rest of my time to discuss what I call the Republicans' false flag purported truths about inflation and its economic impact. As for inflation that has stymied our economic growth, I say these Republicans, not all, but some, who are using anger against woke Democrats and fear of the continued inflation as their primary argument. They do so because they don't want to, and we won't compel them to make an offer of proof that they have undertaken the intellectual rigor needed to identify and solve real problems with real solutions. For you see, in order to solve any problem, be it a mathematical problem or a mechanical problem or a legal problem or an interpersonal problem or an economic problem or one involving public safety, you must first correctly identify the causal elements of the object of your intellectual query, the problem statement. 
So, say in order to deal with inflation, you first have to know what inflation is. You know, and basically what inflation is, is uh, the consumer has less purchasing power over time because the product, the object of what it is that they want to buy goes up in price. Or better said, the consumer's ability and willingness to pay more will be gladly accepted by the producers unless and until they are restrained by a higher authority, such as through wage and price controls implemented by a government. Then after we know the focus of our inquiry, we have to discover what caused the phenomenon. Inflation describes what I call the outcome of an imbalanced supply-demand equation. In essence, there's too much money chasing too few goods. And according to academics, there's, you know, the primary reason why there's more money chasing too few goods is either the government is putting more money into circulation or the government decides to devalue its currency or the government is lending more money uh, through the Federal Reserve or the central banking system. And that way it reduces uh, the purchasing power of any one given dollar. Now, this is based on the proposition that if you put more money into circulation, the consuming public will chase the available but limited amount of goods and service with this new money and thereby bid up the prices of the things that attach to money, the things that we desire to spend our money on. But what if there are other non-public policy-based reasons for goods and services to have elevated prices? For example, I just looked up the price of a dozen eggs for a major Bay Area supermarket. The lowest price for a house brand of a dozen eggs was $4.49. Now, according to the economic research arm of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, located at fed.stlouis.org, a dozen eggs cost has increased by 58.57% from $1.83 in September 2021 to $2.90 this past September 2022. Now, that's nationwide. I, the, the price I gave you, the four forty nine, that's out here in California, in the Bay Area. Now, that's a real inflation. So Biden's at fault for that, right? Well, not so fast. In an article written by Zoham that was published in Market Watch on August 12, 2022, entitled, Why Egg Prices Are Sizzling Up to 38% Last Year, and I quote, the price of eggs has been tend- trending upwards since the beginning of 2022. And eggs experts say an avian influenza outbreak has severely limited the supply of eggs, leading to the, the high price. The avian flu outbreak started almost six months ago and has caused the egg laying industry production capacity to decline by 10 percent. This according to an expert, J.T. Dean, who's the president of the uh, egg producing Central Fresh Up Group, a major egg producing manufacturing company. And so he goes on to say that. This is a nationwide phenomena. It also it impacts birds that are being raised um, uh, for harvesting for human consumption, as well as other birds. It's an avian flu, like COVID for birds. And so, uh, I say, that's not uh, Joe Biden's fault. 
or, or, or maybe you think differently. Further, most but not all Republicans claim that we have inflated prices because Biden and his woke Democrats pumped $1.9 trillion into the economy via the American Rescue Plan, which was passed on March 20, 2021 to fight COVID. And the Inflation Reduction Act that was recently passed on August 2022 and hasn't pumped any money as yet because it hasn't been implemented. However, this critique fails to state the obvious. It was the Republicans then and current fearless leader and Biden's immediate predecessor, he who shall not be named, also known as the former guy, who signed the 2.2 trillion CARES Act into law on March 27, 2020, and supplemented with it with an additional almost $1 trillion in the COVID coronavirus aid package for a total of $3.11 trillion. And that started the increase in the money supply. So I urge everyone to check out a very informative article in Investopedia with the two um, presidencies and what they did uh, compared. And it also has charts and graphs two of my favorite things. And so you can find that at the articles entitled, What is the CARES Act? And you can find it at www.investopedia.com forward slash coronavirus dash aid dash relief dash and dash economic dash security dash CARES Act. So it's basic and it has this really great chart that tells you what each one of them did. Further, there's been additional articles that have reinforced what I've been sharing with you over the last few months. And this great article that was published in Time magazine this past week, October 31, 2022, by uh, Ms. Alana Samuels. And she says this blaming Biden for inflation is just silly. Um, inflation is a global phenomenon, according to Robert Kaufman, a Boston University professor who studies energy and economics. The simplest explanation for inflation, he says, was the COVID. And then, you know, it was because people feared COVID. The, the big companies, they started to, you know, produce, reduce production and lay off staff. But then when the COVID money went out there, they saw that the populace was willing to spend money on these goods, notwithstanding the fear of COVID. Then they tried to ramp up and get more uh, supplies. But then there was a supply chain uh, phenomenon that, you know, put uh, put sand in the works, as it were. These factors were exacerbated by the Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine, and that's panicked food supplies and oil supplies. So I'm just telling you all this because this is a global phenomenon, and you can't blame it on uh, uh, President Biden. You you just can't. And uh, if you are, you're going to have to spread it around to some of the former guy as well. Now, I want you to realize that before you go to the polls, you have to remove fear from your equation about who it is that you're going to vote for. And for those of you who don't think it makes sense to vote because your vote doesn't matter, you know, there's a couple of pieces of, of legislation that I have watched over the course of my lifetime 
And you really have to not only vote once, you have to continue to stay engaged in the process. There's the Community Reinvestment Act of 1977 that was signed and put into law by Jimmy Carter, and it got revitalized by the Dodd-Frank Act of 2010 that was signed into law by Barack Obama. But uh, that law is being threatened by uh, the courts. So you have to stay. You, you, you vote once, you vote twice, you stay engaged you watch how things that are important to your community change over time, and that way you can always make a contribution for by voting for people that will have your best economic and political interests in mind. But you have to be engaged, otherwise you won't know what's going on. So I'm going to leave it there for now. But as I like to say here on Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including obtaining the knowledge we need to continue our form of self-governance through free and fair elections. So please get out and vote next Tuesday, uh, November the 8th. Vote what's in your best interest. Don't just fall for the okey-doke and don't vote out of fear. Uh, but in as much as it appears that summer, all of the forms of COVID-19 will be with us for the foreseeable future, I once again urge you to please get vaccinated and boosted. And even if you have all your shots, but especially if you don't, please take the necessary precautions to protect not only yourselves and your families, but those you're going to come in contact with at the polls. But at a minimum, masking up when you go out to vote. Till next time, take care. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.